and welcome to Cancer Casually. I'm your host, Lindsay DeLong, and I'm the managing editor of The Fullest. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 33 when my boyfriend found a lump and made me go get it checked out. A year and a half later, I'm now cured, healthy, and can kinda talk about it all without crying. Each week, I interview inspiring survivors who have come out on the other side of cancer or who are still battling it. We'll talk about our lives before, during, and after cancer and share what we've learned so that our listeners can look at their own lives through a new perspective, whatever that may be. Here's not just how to live with cancer, but how to be there for someone and how to cope as a co-survivor, because it's not just a disease that affects you, it affects everyone around you. With this podcast, we hope to inspire others to grasp life, no matter what comes at you, and always live it to the fullest. Welcome to the first ever episode of Cancer Casually. I'm here with Laura Rubin, who is the founder of communications boutique Left Left Right and the notebook company All Swell Creative. Um, I actually met Laura at the Keep a Breast uh, Breast Cancer Retreat in Zihuantanejo in October of last year. She was leading the workshop. I was in the workshop. And you were, yes. Yeah, it was amazing. So- yeah, it was it was incredible to watch you participate. Um, all the women in the journaling workshop really just, I felt so blessed to be there and to um, be leading that conversation. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that you are also a breast cancer survivor. Correct. And so I didn't even know that until afterwards. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but that was really cool. I just thought that, oh, that's so cool that Laura Rubin's coming with her workshops also because <laughs> I've heard about it because they're really cool and you have these beautiful journals. Thank you. So I was excited and it was so therapeutic and so helpful oh, good, for me good. and just your prompts and everything that you had um, with a starting, it was just really helpful and good. also really good. And what I felt was um, it was helpful to hear other people's experiences that were young because everyone that I've talked to is old, right? you know, yes. all the people in chemo are older. Yep. So it was interesting. So how, how, tell me about how you started that. Uh, how I started all. the workshop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I started also all the journal company a few years ago. It was really just my passion project. I've been running a boutique consulting company that focuses on media and communications for years. And after helping all these people find their creative voice, I, I, I sort of asked myself, well, what does mine sound like? And, um, that was the, really the genesis for the creation of Allswell and, um, created a blank notebook that was half lined and half unlined. Cause I'd like to both write and draw, put it out on the marketplace, just so my friends shops and they sold out. And so I was like, Oh, well, I'll just keep doing this. And, um, the, one of the things that that emerged in my conversations was that consumers were giving me the feedback that they really love the notebooks, but they felt that they already had a stack of notebooks that they weren't using or that they didn't know how to journal or that um, they were bad at journaling. And um, knowing that it's been a therapeutic part of my life, stretching back to when I was eight years old, I figured, well, I know how important this is to me. If I can create a safe place and um, a container essentially for people to be able to learn how to do this and to be able to share and then take that back into their own lives, then that is probably worth doing. So 
I started it very much with that um, intent and um, people have loved it, which has been such a gift and so beautiful for me to be able to share this process with others. Mm -hmm. And you're doing it all over the place, not just for like cancer survivors or uh, to heal. You're doing it. uh, You were just doing it at Rama, Mm -hmm. uh, Venice. And And, um, we have a few coming up right now. Another in Venice at um, the Venice Beach House, which is a beautiful boutique hotel with um, artist Allison Kunath. And that's really going to be less journaling specifically and more about the creative process as a catharsis. Mm -hmm. Um, And then up in Mendocino with Tiny Atlas Quarterly and then in New York at Jill Lindsay in Brooklyn. So we've, you know, we're, we're moving around and it's, it's really fun. Wow. That's great. That's so cool that you started that. And so how do you think um, that that has personally helped you? Do you think running these workshops has helped you heal I'm looking at you and I'm like, oh, she's a cancer survivor. I'm looking at you because yeah. I'm like, whoa, she's cool. She's done all this stuff. Oh, thank you. And then I find out afterwards, oh, she's also uh, survived cancer. It's mm-hmm. cool that you don't let that define you. And that's a that's been a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly respect how other people handle their diagnosis and their experience of healing. For me, I was defiant. Um I was diagnosed young at 31 and had no um, cancer and no breast cancer in my family. It was a complete shock Yeah, and um, went through the process. And on the other side was very clear that I didn't want this to be the thing that made me special. Yeah. A disease is the one made me special. And I wanted to go on to enjoy my life and live in multiple directions. And certainly the experience of having been ill and, and coming and brushing up against death that Mm -hmm. young certainly has helped imbue my life with a great deal of clarity and sometimes meaning, but it isn't the most special thing in my life. Yeah. And it's not what makes me special. Yeah. Everything makes you special. Well, (laughs) we, 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 the, the things that, that happen to us happen to us, Mm -hmm. who we are in those moments is what is part of what defines us. Yeah. But I want to move towards joy. Yeah. I want to move towards service and celebration. And so instead of looking back, I look forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about that diagnosis at mm-hmm. 31. Like, what was that like? What? Where were you when you find out? Why did you go to the doctor in the first place? Completely <laughs> standard gynecological oh, okay. six month to a year checkup. Um, I'd been... It's interesting. Um, I'd been going through a period of a tremendous amount of personal stress related to something external, had gotten myself out of that situation. But while that was going on, I remember my mother, mothers always know, mm-hmm. saying to me that she was worried on a like a, about my health. And I told her, like, Mom, it's fine. I'm I, I can manage it. And mothers know. <laughs> so by the time I'd ext- I'd extracted myself and um, and granted, none of this is scientific fact. This is simply looking in retrospect at the patterns in my own life and talking to other women, um, often uh, a breast cancer diagnosis, not always, but sometimes is mirrored by a, a, a time of extreme stress and trauma. Mm. And um, I, again, didn't have any breast cancer history in my family and um, wasn't expecting anything. There was a a lump in my breast that my gynecologist found. And she said, you know, you don't have any family history and we could just watch it, but we're not going to do that. 
um, I want you to go for a sonogram. And I said, sure. Yeah. Okay. Thinking like no big deal and went for the sonogram. And that was when I found out that it was very likely not nothing. And I mean, I had lunch plans that yeah. day. You know? yeah. I was planning on just going out of my life. Um, but you so know, they did the sonogram right away. No, oh, okay. um, I left and made the appointment for the yeah. sonogram. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. you know, like a week or two later went. Mm-hmm. And then they called you or they called no, no, you in? No, I mean, it was, you never want to be special at a doctor, yeah. right? Like the best thing is when they're like, I'm sorry, we've got someone else that really needs to see the doctor. I'm like, great. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't want to be special. Yeah. When you're there and all the other doctors start coming in to look at the lab results yeah. and to look at the yeah. sonogram, you're like, uh oh. And so that was happening. And then um, while they couldn't say conclusively at that time that it was cancer, they said that um, it was very likely to be something of concern and that I should see a breast surgeon. Oh, okay. And um, to find somebody to help me go through this process. Wow. So then you saw, you made an appointment with the breast surgeon. I mean, I walked out of that door and burst into tears and, um, you know, your whole life gets turned upside down. I thought I was going to go to lunch and go back to the office. (laughs) And instead it was, uh, you know, everything changed in that moment. Yeah. Um, It's interesting that I didn't call my parents. I called my big brother. Mm. Um, There is something about, um, I didn't, I didn't want them to get upset. And I knew that my brother was close enough to me, but that he could handle it and get, get me to the other side. Yeah. Um, And that process I kept coming back to that. Um, my mother was incredible, but I didn't want her in any of the initial sets of appointments because I couldn't emotionally handle making her feel better oh, about yeah. my diagnosis. Oh yeah. She came to every chemo appointment with me. Like once we had the plan, she was yeah. there. But I think that it's important that young women feel empowered around the choices they make around what feels good for them. Yeah. And it was really hard for my mom not to be in those appointments. It really like it hurt her, but I had to explain that I just don't have the bandwidth and I need another set of ears Yeah, because you're only hearing like, you know, Charlie Brown teacher, right. You're hearing want, want, want tumor, want, want, want surgery. And you're just like trying to take it in, but you need another set of ears Mm -hmm. there. That's, that's, going to be able to hear things slightly more dispassionately yeah. for me I knew that wasn't going to be my mom yeah yeah oh my gosh my mom <laughs> I took her the day after I found out I took her to the meeting with the surgeon she the surgeon starts talking because at first we thought oh it's just it, it's cancer I'm gonna have to take a pill oh. and to get it away and then all of a sudden the surgeon's like oh no it's cancer we're gonna have to do chemo and then radiation and then you're gonna have surgery and blah blah, blah. my mom falls on the table and like faints yeah honey I'm sorry <laughs> I'm really, truly sorry. Yeah. That's and and you're there and then you're taking care of somebody else. Yeah. And so then I just like sat on the floor with her and was like staring straight ahead. Like, I hate the world. I hate the world. I hate the world. Yeah. And then my mom was just laying on the ground and she kept trying to get up. And the surgeon was like, no, you keep laying down. (laughs) And so then we like finished the meeting for like an hour on the ground. But my mom is so sweet. And yeah, she moms are the best. Oh, yeah. I, I had the most tremendous, amazing support system. And I'm truly grateful to everybody who played small and large roles. Um, but I mentioned it simply because I think that, um, 
often young women are hesitant about seeing what they need, um, particularly during a time as critical as a diagnosis and treatment, it's really important that you stay true to that. Yeah. Even if it disappoints people. Yeah. So how was your, you said you had an amazing support system. Mm -hmm. Um, what was treatment like? What was your treatment? Did you have chemo? What did you? I did. I did. Um, a, um, a lumpectomy, mm-hmm. um, with a sentinel node biopsy and then a re-excision of my margins because, um, my surgeon was trying to be very conservative and the margins weren't quite clear enough. So went in for a second surgery and then shortly thereafter started dose dense ACT chemotherapy and, um, was followed by a year of Herceptin and, um, a treat, a, a cycle of radiation. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. What kind of breast cancer was it? I, I, it was borderline estrogen receptor positive with a strong HER2 expression. Oh, okay. Do you have to take pills every day or anything? No. No. Um, my experience was really extraordinary in that when I was diagnosed, um, HER2 positive cancer was the most fatal form of breast cancer at the time. And, um, I tried to get into a couple clinical trials for Herceptin, but, um, wasn't able to make it happen. And while I was going through chemotherapy, the months during which that occurred, um, Herceptin was so in- proven to be so incredibly mm-hmm. effective. It was rushed to market yeah. and then available to me when I finished my chemotherapy. So during the time of my treatment, the most fatal form of cancer breast cancer turned into the most curable form of breast cancer. And so as a result, my entire prognosis short and long-term changed, which is an incredibly blessed thing to have happened. Yeah. So how long ago was that? Um, I was diagnosed in November about, um, so I guess that's like 12 and a half years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so great. Yeah. I'm on, I, I did Herceptin for a year as well. I'm her two positive as well. Triple positive. Um, but wow, that's great. And so how was your support team? Um, were you, I, I think we talked at the retreat in Mexico. Um, you were dating someone at yeah. the time. How did that affect your relationship? Well, we were newly dating, okay. which was shocking. <laughs> um, I think we were dating six weeks, maybe eight. Oh, wow. And, um, he is an incredible human. And, um, I, at the time I was pretty sure, like I'd met my guy, mm-hmm. I was done, you know? And then this diagnosis happened so early on in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was a point and, and his, he had lost his mother to cancer And, um, there was a point early on, um, once I knew I was going to live, but that it was going to be a pretty rough year. Mm -hmm. Um, I just sat him down and said, look, um, this is your get out of jail free card. You did not sign up for this. And I understand. And you're coming off of mourning your mother and this might just be too much for you. And that's okay. You can say to me right now, hon, love you, but I can't do this. And you won't, and you're not a bad guy. Yeah. But if you're in, I need you to be in all the way because I can't be wondering halfway through chemotherapy if my boyfriend's going to break up with me yeah. because it's too much or I don't look cute. 
And, you know, he gulped and he thought about it for a couple of minutes, maybe, maybe. And he was like, I'm in. And so as a result, I had this beautiful man by my side and making me laugh and telling me I was pretty when I was not. (laughs) And, um, I, I just feel like, um, you know, God came and said, well, this is going to be really hard, but I'm going to give you an angel to get through it. And for me, that was Danny Bouvery. Wow. Yeah. Ultimately, I think it just too, it took too big a toll on us, Mm -hmm. um, the experience of being a caregiver, we never quite balanced it back out and could get back to that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too much had happened. Yeah. Um, but he's family to me. He's one of the dearest humans in my life. I went to his wedding in Portugal. He's very happily married. He has a beautiful little boy. Oh, and cool. um, yeah, I mean, he's he's family till the day I die. Oh, that's an amazing story. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I, I, um, I was dating someone and we, we are recently back together. I know. <laughs> I was like crying about it. The whole keep a breast retreat. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, yeah, My yeah. heart was just like oh, shattered I know, for I know. you. But his middle name is Angel. Aww. His middle name is actually Angel. Well, there you so go. So my mom gives us all these little like crystal angels thing. <laughs> and it's sweet. But yeah, it's so, um, I mean, if you have that or if you don't, it's so Uh, it's nice to have it. Oh, it is so nice to have it. I could have gotten through it without Mm. it, but I'm so glad that I didn't have to. Yeah. And, um, my, also my, my network of friends is phenomenal Mm -hmm. and, um, it really, it, it's incredible. I didn't know how loved I was yeah. until I was sick. Yeah. And I was also the first person in my peer group to have a serious illness. Yeah. I'm certainly no longer the only one of us and won't be the last, but um, it was a wake up call for my sort of entire community of friends. Uh-huh. And um, they really just showed up and were in- just amazing. You know, the people who... Um, do just like the little things. And when, when folks ask me like, well, what can I do? It, it, sometimes it's just about going to get groceries for someone. And, um, one of the best pieces of advice my mother has ever given me was, um, as I was going into this, she didn't want me to be disappointed by people who couldn't, who couldn't show up Mm -hmm. completely. And she said, Laura, not every friend is going to be a friend to you in the same way. And, you know, I interpreted that some people are going to be able to laugh with you. Some people are going to be able to cry with you. Some people are going to be able to go to those chemo appointments with you. Others won't be able to do that, but they're going to be there on the days that you feel great and pour you a bitty glass of champagne and make you laugh. (laughs) And that's important too. There are folks that are just going to be able to write you a card. That's great. Anything you do for somebody who's going through this actually really does matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many different ways to help someone. Yes. So what would you say? How did you change? How did cancer change you? Um, I think that initially I didn't want it to change me at all, mm-hmm. that uh, I fought against that. And um, I was working in fashion at the time um, and I... I wanted to get back in my high heels and go out and do the things that I did and all of that stuff. And, um, it took a little while. And again, only in retrospect, I see now that cancer emboldened me 
and it changed my priorities. So um, eventually I felt a sense of um, courage that I hadn't had before. And um, before I was ill, my idea of a good workout was like, you know, shaking a martini in heels, you know, <laughs> and recognizing that one of the few factors that I, I was skinny fat, you know, yeah. um, one of the few factors I had within my control regarding a potential recurrence was to keep my, um, my body fat ratio low. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden I like discovered my inner sporty spice and figured out like what things felt good to do outdoors, exercising, and that led me to surfing. Okay. Um, when I saw a bunch of people surf, it looked scary, but it seemed like they were having a lot of fun. And I said, well, I just did something scary that was no fun. Why don't I do something scary that looks like it's great? And that was why and how I was emboldened to, to learn how to surf. And then that actually ended up changing my whole life. Yeah. So it's not direct, like... I had breast cancer. So therefore it was like my eat, pray, love moment. And yeah. I changed my whole life. It was much more subtle than that. And it, and it happened over time. Um, but looking back, I can see the thread running through, um, through my life. Wow. I didn't know that. I knew you were super into surfing, but so tell me about your surfing. Uh... <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I'm not great. Yeah. I will spend the rest of my life trying to be like capture moments of greatness or yeah. even just getting properly good, but I love it. And, yeah. um, being in the water and, um, being active outdoors has really become a huge part of what's important to me. It's my medicine. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's one of the reasons why I started spending so much time in Montauk and then why I started spending time on the West coast and ultimately why I, moved here. Okay. Because for me spending time outdoors and being active and still having an interesting career is all available in this environment. Yeah. So, um, I'd say also in terms of surf, um, there was a, there was this moment where East coast surfing was kind of having like the, the, the zeitgeist sort of swung in that direction of interest. And mm -hmm. since I was working in marketing communications, I was able to help. And so it actually ended up being a big part of a career shift as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. And so then that's what eventually brought you to California. Yes. From New York. Yes. Oh, wow. And is that how you ended up in Venice? Yes. Okay. I chose Venice because it's so close to the airport and there are waves nearby. <laughs> and so when I was traveling back and forth every other week, it really made sense for me to be very close to LAX. Yeah. Yeah. And you're involved in a surfing, um, what is it? A, a nonprofit. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Tell yeah. me about that. I'm the chairman of a, not a surf therapy nonprofit called a walk on water. Okay. And, um, it's, it's interesting you bring it up because given my background as a cancer survivor, mm -hmm. a lot of people would assume that I would get very involved in young survivorship. Mm -hmm. And actually that's not that interesting to me because I don't want to stay steeped in a conversation yeah. about something that doesn't feel really good. Yeah. I mean, I'm comfortable with the fact that I'm a survivor, but I don't want to talk about it every day. Yeah. It's not what I want to do for a living. Yeah. So, um, but I do think service is a really important part of life and I love 
giving back. It feels really good. So um, this charity kind of found me through friends and I just was so blown away at the beauty of the transformation of these children with special needs through the process of being in the water with these incredible watermen. And just it's it's really heart opening. Yeah. So um able to to help them grow thoughtfully and um and both in terms of geography and the size of the organization. And so that's what I've done. Wow. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'm really lucky. Yeah. So did you also change your eating habits? You got more active. So but- not really because I was a pretty healthy eater before. Mm-hmm. Um you know I I I was not, I mean, it was a typical New York fashion girl. I wasn't, I wasn't like going out and eating steak free every night. Um, changing my diet wasn't a big deal. Um, I, I looked into it. I, I, I met with a nutritionist and, um, Eastern and Western doctors and, and got all the information, but they sort of said like, you're, you're kind of doing it right. So just stick with it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, stuff like don't eat tofu, you know, that's yeah, just yeah. right. You, you got to learn those things. But yeah. um, basically I was sort of on the, like on the green tea train already. Yeah. 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 No soy. No Lots soy. Lots of green tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Um, And how did cancer change you emotionally? Because I feel like after the treatments, it was a whole new ball game. And like, I thought, oh, okay, after my last chemo, after radiation, after surgery, I'm going to get my life back and be normal. But then it was like, oh, it like, it just changed. I felt like it it affected me more sometimes emotionally than it did physically. Did you get that? I can really empathize. And one of the pieces of information that um, I share with women who have gotten to the other side of their treatments and their hair is just starting to grow back and they expect to go back to normal and their whole community who's been right there with them is like oh great okay we mobilized and now we're through this and it's and it's done and people sort of go back to their lives as they should yeah and that's actually the time emotionally when it hits you hardest Mm -hmm. because you have this experience of of game face and just like powering through it. And often you don't even have the luxury of emotionally processing what's going on until you get just a little bit out from under the thumb of the worst of it. And um, I remember in my own life, it, was, it wasn't until after I was done that it hit me like a truck. And I was completely disoriented because it's like, why am I so upset? I'm, I'm probably going to be okay. Yeah. But it was, it was the luxury of, of taking that breath and actually letting it sift through and sort of become part of your reality. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But you get through that part and it's going to be okay. Right. You, your hair does grow back. You do um, metabolize that experience. And it becomes, for me, at least it's become part of a reserve of things that I, that, that make me feel stronger. Yeah. And also it's a really good bullshit meter. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like, am I going to work with this client that is so totally toxic and horrible? No. Yeah. Because I know better because I know that 
it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, or a friendship that just really isn't a good one and isn't supportive or whatever those things are. There is this sort of inner compass that you gain of um, just saying, well, that's just not good enough anymore. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's one of the gifts that yeah. um, having cancer has yeah. given me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think cancer has given you any more gifts? Yes. I think that before I was sick, I would really bemoan what I consider to be physical imperfections and that just, you know, like cultural stuff, biodysmorphia, whatever. And I think that I'm not going to tell you that I say like, I look great every day. You do. That's, <laughs> that's very sweet. But I think that, um, for me recognizing that everything works and how lucky I am yeah, yeah. and, um, whatever, like, those toned arms are that you, that, that I think that I want or whatever the things are that, that you personally may struggle with the recognition that ultimately that's kind of ridiculous because yeah. you're so fortunate that all of this, all of this miraculous stuff that's keeping you healthy is happening on this subcellular level and how beautiful that is and the gratitude for that. So, you know, you're having a bad hair day. It's really, it's yeah. really okay. Yeah. And your body just fought so hard and is a star. Yeah. You know, so you shouldn't be like, oh, my arms don't look as good Toned. as they used to. Yeah. Cause your, right. your body just fought for your life. Mm -hmm. So, and it needs and deserves to be loved and appreciated for yeah. all of the work that it does for yeah. you, not just because it fought, but also because it gets you up and around and, yeah. and provides you with all of these incredible experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about writing. Were you a writer before? I've always written. Okay. It's just a part of my life. I was, uh, you know, a, a lit major in, in college and, um, and I've, I've kept a journal since I was eight, as I mm -hmm. said. So it's just been a natural part of my process. Did you keep a journal throughout treatment? I did. You did? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Some of my friends, I remember specifically um, this like very cool creative director that um, that suggested at the time, you know, you should do a whole book about this or you should make a documentary film. And I looked at her like she was crazy. Like this isn't I don't want to dig deeper into this. Yeah. this I like this isn't, this isn't like my star turn lady. Like I just got to get through this. Yeah. And, um, the journals that I kept, um, I'm, I'm sure I have them somewhere, but it's not as if I go back and revisit them. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, I think that would be hard to yeah. read, but maybe someday or maybe I, put it into a book. I, um, it's interesting at, at, um, when I got to, I celebrate my, um, my cure date every okay. year. I throw a party. Oh, that's so <laughs> yeah. cool. It's really fun. And so I just recently last June, it's June 16th. And last June I celebrated my 10 year anniversary oh, and wow. I threw a bash and it was so much fun. And, um, I just honor the milestone, yes. um, each year for myself, sometimes in quiet ways, sometimes in big ones. And, um, way back in the day, it was, I was probably cured for, um, it was, I think actually my first year of being cured. Yeah. And I threw this get together and afterwards 
walked to the East River with some friends, popped a bottle of champagne and tossed my wig into the East River. Oh, that's amazing. And so creating those rituals for yourself, creating those ways of saying, I got through this, you know, it was a really expensive wig. <laughs> and I did think about like, well, should I donate it? I was like, you know what? All the, all like the weird juju that's in this thing. I don't, Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just want it. I want to have the experience of releasing it. Yeah. And so for me, that was really important. Oh, that's great. So what your cure date is that when is a cure date? Is that after surgery? Is that after chemo? What, when is that? I always it's different wondering. depending <laughs> on what your treatment was. Yeah. Um, so for you and I, because we're both Herceptin girls, mm -hmm. it's two years after your last Herceptin treatment. Oh. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. At least that's what it was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I remember thinking that it was going to be much longer. And um, sitting in my oncologist's office when I was having a checkup, and and he said, "Oh, yeah, you're coming up on your cure date." It was it was like late May or early June or something when he told me this. He was like, "Yep, you're you're uh, you're cured on June 16th." And I looked at him and I was like. I almost grabbed my purse and ran out of the building like, great. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. See ya. Wow. June 16th. Yeah. Um, do you go to treatments at all anymore? How often are you getting checked? Um, I try to get checked annually. Okay. There's a combination of traditional um, mammography and also thermography. And I also get breast exams semi-annually. I try to stay on top of it. I will say that um, even now, I get scared. Even now going for a mammogram is scary for me. Mm -hmm. There's like legitimate PTSD triggers that come with the whole thing. I still occasionally have a girlfriend come with me mm -hmm. and I am cured. I am healthy. I have a really good head on my shoulders and a lot of perspective and it still freaks me out. Yeah. So for a woman who is like either, you know, recently diagnosed or has just come through it and she's like, be gentle with yourself. Yeah. You've come through a lot and yeah. there's going to be stuff that shocks you. That is like a trigger for you. And just when it happens, let it happen yeah. and acknowledge it. Yeah. Don't be hard on yourself about it. Yeah. I just went for my mammogram. I think it was my six month mammogram after my last treatment. And, um, uh, it was March 1st and they were like, okay, yeah, there's a lump. And let's get a uh, ultrasound. And so right then they walked me over to the ultrasound room, checked and okay, yeah, that's a lump. And I was so scared. And that's when me and my ex hadn't talked in months. And, um, and I called him, I was like, Hey, they're about to do a biopsy. And I was like scared because I was alone because I didn't bring anyone. Yeah. I was like, oh, everything's fine. Yeah. And I he he was so sweet and Good. so nice. So that's when we started talking oh, again. Oh, sweet. Um, but yeah. And it what is, was the outcome of the of Oh, the biopsy? it was fine. They did a biopsy. They did a biopsy that day as well. Good. They did the mammogram ultrasound biopsy. And then they're like, it's scar tissue. Thank God. But they wanted to make sure. Yes. But, um, yeah, like what a fire drill. It's just so scary. Cause you like, <laughs> did you get scar tissue with your lumpectomy? I have, um, I have a little scar tissue, but, um, but not much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was very lucky. Also the placement of it. I had this conversation with my breast surgeon. I said, look, obviously the most important thing is me surviving. Yeah. But my tits are kind of my thing. <laughs> 
and I'm single. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a serious relationship, but like, I'm not married. Yeah. Can we please work together aesthetically? And he smiled and laughed and he said, yes, actually. So, you know, I, I was originally training to be a plastic surgeon. I chose to go into this because ultimately I found that it was more fulfilling for me. But as a young woman, I'm going to treat you like you're my sister. I'm oh. going to give you the, the best decision-making I can around this. And, yeah. um, and I'm very happy and very lucky. Yeah. That's amazing. Did, did you ever think you were going to have to have, uh, like mastectomy? That was ruled out fairly early on. Oh, okay. I was very lucky. Yeah. 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 Oh, I think that would be so hard. And I just, wow. I mean, it's all hard. It's all hard. <laughs> and it's, um, I, I can't even wrap my head around that choice. And I think about also the girls who are getting um, genetic testing uh -huh. early in their lives and then making the choice to do prophylactic bilateral mastectomy. Oh, yeah. And I, I did genetic testing and um, af afterwards. And my father was actually fairly vocally opposed to my doing it mm. because he said, Laura, what will you do with that information? It's like a Damocles sword hanging over your head of this feeling like it, you're just waiting for it to come back in your life. And he said at that point, you know, the only measures available to take are fairly draconian. It's like lopping off pieces of your body. Yeah. And I appreciated his perspective. But again, I said, Dad, this is me. This is my body. And I need to have this information because the, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Yeah. But I know that I need to have all of the data that I can get. And then I'll make the choices that are right for me. Yeah, yeah. And I was very fortunate in that the, the um, I, I don't have the BRCA genetic mm -hmm. mutation. Um, my, my, um, the woman that I see for my breast checkups recently actually suggested I get genetic testing again because it's so much more subtle and thorough now. Oh. Um, and then it may actually, while there's, it's not actionable in any way at this point, it will give me information for my family. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard of anyone not wanting to get that test for that reason, but it totally makes sense. It he was just trying to protect me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Wow. That oh, would be so scary. Um, so your um, hair, <laughs> I feel like you say you're known for your breasts. I'm not, I feel like I mean, I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't say I was known for my boobs. I know, I'm just just kidding. that I was very attached to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but your hair mm -hmm. is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's Carrie Bradshaw hair. Does everyone say that? Yeah, I do get you, that. Do you I get like it, a it or lot. hate it? I love it. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm it's amazing. I'm so grateful for yes. my hair, and my hair actually grew in better. It did. Yeah, right away. No, <laughs> that was a really awkward stage. There were a few awkward stages, but, um, I, I, yeah, I'd say that pre and post my hair actually like the, the texture of it and stuff is actually better. Yeah. Wow. Mine is, um, growing really a lot on the sides, mm -hmm. but it, and the top it's like still pretty bald. So mm. did you, did you take any supplements for it or what are your, I didn't take any supplements that said, um, I was seeing this Eastern Western, um, doctor. She's, uh, 
she was part of a group called Meridian Medical in New York City at the time and uh, talked to her about my concern about the speed of hair growth. And she gave me something topical to 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 uh, that is used to address alopecia. And it was herbal. I smelled like a hippie. And um, but I said, I don't care if this yeah. makes my hair grow faster. I'm down. And I use that. And I don't know if it worked or if it didn't. Yeah. But at least it made me feel like I was doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just started taking Rogaine like two weeks ago, but I don't know if it's working. It's too early. Well, two weeks is, yeah, it's yeah. too early to say. Yeah. And biotin. Cool. I'm taking biotin. Great. Yeah. But your hair is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, I think that that's a wrap, but it was great to talk to you. Oh, Lindsay, thank you so much. I think you're amazing. And the journey that you're on and the fact that you're starting these conversations is so important and beautiful. And I hope that it'll give as much to you as it gives to other people. Oh, thank you. Well, you are definitely, you were my first guest because you're like my inspiration. Oh, sweet. <laughs> big hugs, big hugs. <laughs>